Thanks, Julie. Oh, wait. I didn't have my mouth up to the, <laughs> the microphone. All right, a little rusty. Let's try it's it again. It's been a long time. Let's try it's it again. Let's time. try it again. Ready? <clears throat> From the coast of the marsh across the street. To the West Coast. This is the Coast to Coast MBA podcast. I'm Chalanga. And I am quarantining in my girlfriend Shuli's house, who is gracious enough to let us record and try to be quiet after she makes this last cup of tea. Thank you, so Shuli. Thank you to Shuli. We love you. Well, Dylan loves you. I appreciate you. Dylan, have you guys said the L word yet? I'm sorry to just thank, like be assuming thank, things. Thanks for drawing a line. Chilling, it's been two and a half years. I can't <laughs> believe the last two and a half years of my life have gone by like this. Oh, boy. I didn't ever think I would be in a relationship with anybody for two and a half years. Yeah, it didn't seem like you wanted to do that at first, but here we are. Sometimes, you know, love conquers well, all. Usually, usually I push them away by this point, but it has it's worked out. Hey. Despite my inclinations. I keep coming back to Dylan, and I, I don't know why either, but there's something magnetic about I, you. I just can't stay I, away. <laughs> you you quit months ago. <laughs> We've already done two podcasts since then. I know. It's it's <laughs> it's amazing. Well, it's been a long time. Um, I just moved to a new spot over South Minneapolis. Oh, beautiful home. Out of my parents' basement, finally. Thanks, Becky. Thanks, Greg, for letting me stay in, in your house for so long. Um, Seriously. But God, it feels good to be at my own place. It is awesome. There is a marsh across the street, or a, or a, it's not quite a pond. It's very wet. Take blessed. Uh, so yeah, things are well. We're back. Um, we thought there's no better time to talk about basketball than when there's no fucking basketball going on. And to like do a deep, <laughs> deep, deep dive. We have worked countless hours on this together. Um, so we decided that we're going to do a top 31 Timberwolves of all time for 31 seasons of the franchise. Um, we did a really, really deep dive on this list. And, and at the end of the day, what we want on this list, we want a list to measure greatness of a player within the context of a franchise, not just a value judgment on individual greatness of an individual player. So... We dove, we dove into the Timberwolves franchise. We had a 50 games played minimum. So, sorry to Thad Young, Mo Williams, Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell. All had great, well, some more great than others. Uh, <laughs> Thad uh, Young had a really had a really strong single season for us. I was hoping we could keep him, but I guess uh, getting Kevin Garnett back was worth it just for the... Uh, just for the emotions of it. Yeah, and it was sad not to have one of the only 50-point scorers not on the list. But, you know, Mo Williams, maybe if you come out of retirement and, and play with us again, <laughs> we will re- we will rethink it. Um, but who knows? Uh, so, Dylan, do you want to kind of talk about our process a little bit? Yeah, so I divided this up into three different categories. The first category being uh, peak impact. I think this was kind of the most important one for us. I think it was it's most important to remember the Timberwolves that were the greatest for any amount of time. In order to do this, we decided to take their season high in VORP, uh, value over replacement player, their season high in box plus minus, and their season high in win shares. And they could be across different seasons, we, we agreed, but their minimum games played had to be 40 games, which actually came into account for a couple players. Uh, minimum games the- played in a, in a season. Not yes, minimum yet. games played in the season. So this is this is just for peak impact. And then 800 minutes played in that season as well. So they had to play at least 
80 games for 10 minutes a game or 40 games for 20 minutes a game, essentially. Mm -hmm. Then I averaged each ranking in the peak impact. So to find their overall ranking. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to do like, there's not really a good way to compare the numbers. So I just did the ranking of those numbers with, within each player's, each other player's highest VORP. So let's say that, um, that KG had a VORP of, of over 10 or something. And then he had another season of over 10. Well, the, only his highest one would count. So their ranking would go up against the the other player's highest ranking. So then we, then I averaged all of those rankings and created their peak impact uh, ranking. Then the second category now we're on is overall impact. And for that, we just took their average ranking of their value over replacement player, which is cumulative over their Timberwolves tenure and then their winchers over the over their Timberwolves tenure. And right now, I just wanted to give a shout out to Basketball Reference, which responded to all of our emails and uh, our painstaking emails, trying to ask them about deep dives on Timberwolves stats. Mm-hmm. And they helped us find all of these things. Peak Impact, we kind of had to create our own system for it, but um, for overall impact, it was it was much expedited by their help because we were able to rank. Uh, all of the Timberwolves players, and we didn't have to like figure out what their ti- what each player's VORP was while they were on the Timberwolves. We just went went to Timber search Timberwolves players, and then organized it by their overall cumulative win shares and VORP. Right to get their to get their overall impact averaged each ranking in each category. And so this overall impact really is either they had the the higher number for the overall impact shows there was a length of time where they were doing a good job or that they were very like their their impact even if it was for a short time was good enough consistently for like three years let's say that it it had a it had a good measure exactly so a, a good example of that is like sam cassell was so good for a season and a half that his uh his overall impact even though he wasn't, he didn't play for that long for us. Was twelfth, right? Um, so, so it, it, comparing these two peak and overall kind of was a, like a good measure of just how good the player was in a Wolves uniform. And then Dylan, our our, our last measure, we we measured tenure because it, it is important when talking about the greatness of a player within the context of a franchise to think about how long that player was actually with that franchise. Exactly. Uh, this was to help out players such as Doug West or Sam Mitchell try to make the list. And um, obviously Sam Mitchell uh, played for the Timberwolves for many, many seasons and then mm-hmm. left and then played some more for us and played on some of the really great early 2000s teams too. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up coaching the Wolves. And Andy ended up coaching. We didn't even add any points for the coaching, but uh, we'll see if we're if we can help him out in any way we can. So what happened after I averaged each one of these rankings? So they, we had a peak impact ranking, an overall impact ranking, and a tenure ranking. So I tried to average those, and the person with the lowest, uh, the lowest or the highest ranking, I guess, just like the the one closest to one, that person would be the next on the list. Problem was is that we ran into trouble with Timberwolves who were extremely elite in just one category. So. Sam Cassell was fourth in terms of peak impact and Jimmy Butler was fifth in terms of peak impact, but Jimmy Butler had trouble making that list (laughs) just because he was, I think 83rd in tenure. 
So what I needed to do is um, is I had to drop one of the scores. Um, uh, Sam Mitchell had trouble taking making the list, which is like insane. Um, but I decided uh, I decided to drop one of the scores. They're the the score that helped them the least. I dropped. Um, the reason I didn't just drop tenure. Uh, on players or on certain players is because Sam Mitchell needed tenure, right? So I just dropped whoever's, whichever player was not elite in a certain category. I dropped that score. Um, I dropped Sam Mitchell's overall impact because Chalenga, I don't know if you know this, but he was 264th out of 265 players in terms of his overall VORP. Yikes. Um, he's very high in win shares. I think he's like top five in win shares, but his VORP was so bad that his overall impact did not help him at all. Yeah. Well, he was on he was on good teams, and so I think that's where that win shares piece comes from. Exactly. Um, so that's yeah. uh that's rough. But an, an overall VORP of negative two point eight is not solid. No. <laughs> that is uh that, well below average. <laughs> that being said, I dropped his overall impact, and I dropped Jimmy Butler's tenure, um, and so on down the list. I dropped each player's least helpful score, and it didn't help enough because we needed to account for their awards. Chalenga came in. I, I worked on this for about 20 hours, and then <laughs> Chalenga, I had Chalenga come in, and he fixed the whole thing. What did you do? So since we needed to account for the awards, I, I decided we should go with a point system. So based on wherever the ranking is in whatever category, they get assigned a certain level of points based on the lowest level of player that we want to include in, the, in this list. So since we are going to 31 players, our cap for points was 31. So KG got 31s across the board. Longest tenure, highest peak impact, uh, highest overall impact. Um, spoiler alert, KG's the best Timberwolf of all time. I think we all know that. <laughs> um, and then to account for the awards, we decided that every award that you won in a Timberwolves uniform was going to get a point to add to your score. Playoff appearances were also a point. Uh, as you progress through the rounds of the playoffs, you got more points. So second round would be another point. Third round would be another point. If there was a Timberwolves team that went to the finals, we would add two points. Um, and then, uh, yeah. That's not set in stone yet because we haven't had to deal with it. Right. But that's what we're guessing if we're going to apply this to other teams eventually. <laughs> and then we took the cumulative points from all three categories and um, we ranked each player based on that who had the most points. Another interesting thing, we we did a 3-2-1 ranking for All-NBA, uh, meaning we gave three points for first team All-NBA, two points for second team, and one point for third team. I don't know if, if the, that three two one uh, system is, is going to work is going to bear out across other um, across other uh, franchises, but I think it worked pretty well for what we wanted with the Timberwolves, and um, I know that I know the NBA itself they use a five three one ranking system when they're doing all NBA votes, so maybe we'll switch it to five three one eventually or weight it somehow to make it like. 60% of mm-hmm. whatever and then uh and then one third of of that score you know like right make it equal to 531 but weight it so that it's not so cuz 5 points in our system equals a lot right but for MVP we gave we gave uh 
Kevin Garnett, 21 points. <laughs> As so, a completely not, non-arbitrary. Yeah, he is, he's so leagues ahead of everyone else, which is you know why we're so unsure this will work for other teams, because it's easy to adjust a system for uh, to kind of solve the problems when there's only one truly great player in the franchise's history. But when we get teams like the Celtics or the Lakers and there's, you know, tons of greatness on those teams, then it's I think we might need to adjust things just a little bit. But this really works for the Timberwolves. So Um, some other interesting points that we added uh, in the in the peak impact area, because these are all all the MVP awards, all the awards are in the peak impact section. So the all rookie team, we actually gave a point for that. And I argued with Chalanga that uh, an all-star game is as important as an all-rookie team. And the reason being is that I think it's important if a team drafts a player. And I just think it means something that we drafted Zach Levine or that we drafted Andrew Wiggins and that they and that they made those all-rookie all teams. Yeah, and they were good when we drafted them. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with you. Isaiah Ryder or whatever. Um, because, like, let's say we drafted a, or that we got a player for a season and they made an all-star game and then they left, and so all they got was that one point. I think that's about equivalent to a team, to a player that we drafted be, being on the all-rookie team. And then Zach Levine got two points for each slam dunk contest because I, I think we both agreed that that was significant enough. Those events were significant enough to make him a greater Timberwolf. Yep, I, I also agree. Um, but we still ran into some issues. So we, uh, Dylan fi- yeah, finally fixed it. I uh, just decided to take in the exact same concept from before and I dropped the lowest score. Um, I mean, we, we since we were doing rankings, we were doing like the the highest number would have been the lowest score, it, whatever it flipped. So I dropped the lowest score. Um, and then this gave us our final rankings. Uh, the reason why I dropped that is because Al Jefferson would have been the seventh greatest wolf. <laughs> and that felt very wrong. It, it, it helped out players who were average in each cat or not average, but like above average in each category. Yeah. So if you made the top 31 and got points in each category, in each of the three major categories Mm -hmm. it would have helped your case a lot more than maybe it should have so then um if i drop one of the uh lower scores that al jefferson have or to drop his lowest score then he dropped out of the top 10 which i think feels a lot more like how al jefferson felt in the moment for those three seasons yeah i agree um, so, and then our final wrinkle is that I think when we're talking about greatest players in, in a franchise, it's important to take into account what they meant to a franchise and what they meant to the fan base. So we're doing a fan favorite boost where there's no changes to the top 10. So the top 10 is set in stone. They can't change. But if we really like a player or we feel like they were really important to the Timberwolves um, as a franchise, then they can be boosted up two positions if they're in the top 20. If they're in the top, if they're in 21 to 30, they can be boosted three positions, and if they're in the top 40, but outside that 31 mark, they can be boosted four positions to make it into our top 31. So that is how we did it. Sorry for the long explanation. It took us even longer to do. Um, <laughs> God, the hours of work that went into this, um, probably for nothing. Um, yeah, absolutely for nothing. We're going to have Tim Kamatsu listen to this, Ben King Kuale, shout out. But I'm going to go ahead and, uh, and say, parents. if you if you like this list, if you have qualms, if you hate it, 
um, go ahead and send us an email at coast to coast NBA pod at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at coast to coast NBA on Instagram at coast to coast NBA pod. Um, and we'll do that again at the end. So if you didn't write that down, <laughs> grab and, a and pen now. We, and we will troll your feedback no matter what. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. Dylan, are you ready to uh, dive into this list? Chalanga, who is number one? So I gave it away a little bit. Um, sorry to spoil it, but our number one Timberwolf of all time, far and away, is Kevin Garnett. Of course. The next closest Timberwolf had 68 points. Kevin Garnett <laughs> has 131 total points. Now, if we if we fix the adjustment for MVP because we did give him 21 points, it would be a little different, but... You get the idea. Kevin Garnett is is far and away the best player in Timberwolves history. First in points, assists, steals, rebounds, blocks, value over replacement player, win shares, games, minutes, twice as many as the second longest tenured. MVP, 10-time All-Star, three-time first-team All-NBA, three-time second-team All-NBA, one-time third-team, six-time first-team All-Defense, Second, t- two times second team all defense, four time rebound champion, and a gold medalist. Two thousand in Sydney, baby. So it's not even close. I think. I think the hidden the hidden thing here is that uh, because KG, who was the reigning MVP of the season in two thousand four, he decided not to do um, to do the Olympics in two thousand four. And guess what happened to the U.S. team? They got bronze in Athens. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of this happened to be because Kevin Garnett decided not to play on the team. And there was another player who shall not be named on this podcast at this point. Anyway, that was a, a tragic 2004 US, Team USA basketball team. But that being said, Chalenga, I think Kevin Garnett is so amazing that it's possible that he would have been just as good on those Spurs teams as Tim Duncan. Say what? I was hearing someone argue about this. Who was arguing about this on Twitter? Someone someone was saying that uh, KG is extremely underrated. If you put him on those Spurs teams, they would have been just as good. And one of my reasons to, to, to tend to agree with this is because you look at those Spurs teams and you look at who Tim Duncan had next to him. Mm-hmm. Defensive players like Manu Ginobili, uh, just really solid, like second team All NBA players for three three times second team All NBA player, Tony Parker. You have Boris Diaw. Uh, you have uh, Captain Jack, Stephen Jackson. You have Bruce Bowen. And not only that, <laughs> but in 1999, you have one of the top 25 greatest players of all time, David Robinson. 2003, David Robinson was still playing, maybe not as effectively, but Tim Duncan had all of these amazing, Mm -hmm. amazing players to not only groom him, like David Robinson, I'm sure, was teaching him how to be an an incredible and amazing player, how to become a league MVP. But then he had amazing players to play with even as he was winning championships. So uh, the elite-level talent uh, and the elite-level coaching, I mean, RIP Flip Saunders the greatest coach in Timberwolves history by far. Like, Flip is our coaching KG, obviously. But Pop is also that for the Spurs, you know what I mean? Right. So, like, and he might be that for the league. Like, he might be that much better than every other coach of all time. I mean, 
with with all due respect to Phil Jackson and et cetera. But right, I mean, so like it, looking at Kevin Garnett and on just skill alone and and how good he is, I think that you're right, he is underrated. But what the piece that he's missing is that championship acumen. I mean, he won it twice. He won it once. They didn't win in 2010. They went to the finals twice. Oh shit! They should have. They should have won in 2010, but uh, somebody else. Oh yeah, but made the, sure that didn't happen. <laughs> the the yeah, the golden purple. So he so KG won one championship over over his career, uh, not in green and blue, unfortunately. But his 2003 2004 season, he did something that Tim Duncan never did, not once in his entire career. KG led the league in VORP win shares box plus minus and per all of the major stats on basketball reference wow all the major advanced stats i should say the only other players to have ever done that that i that i looked up i should say are named curry once durant once lebron five times in a row and jordan (laughs) i didn't check how many times jordan did it but i think probably four or five times as well so that 2003-2004 season was one of the most dominant seasons of all time. I'm really excited to do this again with the whole NBA and see where Kevin Garnett ranks amongst the greats. Definitely in terms of peak impact, he's going to be up there. Yeah. Absolutely will yeah. be up there. Um, but I thought that the top three was going to be set in stone. I was like, Chalanga, the top three is obvious. And what did you say, Chalanga? You were like, the top three is obvious. Obviously, mm-hmm. the second greatest player is Carl Anthony Towns. And then what did I say? You said, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> obviously. The second best player has to be Kevin Love. <laughs> so we looked into it. And it was super Super close. So Kevin Love's peak impact ranks number two amongst our Timberwolves players. Carl Anthony Towns ranks number three. Kevin Love's overall impact ranks third. Carl Anthony Towns' overall impact ranks second. And their tenure is tied. They have played for the Wolves. They played for the Wolves essentially the same amount of time, the same amount of minutes, the same amount of games at this point. So this is where the awards points comes into play kevin love while he was in a a timberwolves uniform he had two second team all nbas he was a three-time all-star and a rebounding champion carl anthony towns is a one-time third team all nba a two-time all-star and a rookie of the year so kevin love got three more points than uh carl anthony towns bringing the number two at 68 overall points and so he got points. He got four points for second team All NBA mm-hmm. each time, two points, and then he got three points for each All Star team, uh, and then he got which was one more than Carl as well, mm-hmm. and then he got uh, one point for being a rebound champion. Yep. Um, another really interesting stat about Kevin Love that a lot of our listeners already know: he set the NBA record for most consecutive points, rebounds, double doubles. Actually, just double doubles in general since. The NBA ABA merger with fifty three. Damn. Fifty three. Uh to put that into context, Wilt Chamberlain had two hundred and twenty seven back in the sixties. <laughs> I think Kevin Love could have had two hundred and twenty seven in the sixties. All the centers were Kevin Love's size, so I'm sure his box out skills would have been like Bill Russell <laughs> level. 
Um, so yeah, the peak impact was really the difference maker here. Kevin Love won all those awards, and even though he never made the playoffs and was never even on a winning team with the Wolves, his uh, impact as far as his advanced stats and how good he was in a Wolves uniform really made the difference. Yeah, and in terms of his peak impact, he did have that 2013-2014 season where he made second team All NBA. He had win shares in the, like that were like he was 14. His he had 14 win shares in 2014. Mm-hmm. I mean, just insane. And uh, his peak season was better than Carl Anthony Towns' peak season, which was a mixture between the season that we made the playoffs and last year. Yeah, not this last year, but the year before. The positive numbers this last year did not count. The positive numbers shared between Rubio and Kevin Love are really really insane they were a powerful combo um and i just you know i just wonder if there was a better team around them how could they how good they could have been together um right exactly oh and the one year that we had like kirilenko and chase budinger was playing well and all these other players were playing well kevin love gets hurt it's really too bad and you know drafting johnny flynn instead of a different point guard named curry (laughs) um was a was a big mistake as well but you know uh that's that's all in the past and and you better believe that both rubio and curry would have been able to share the court like rubio and donovan mitchell can share the court i'm sure curry could have learned how to be a better shooting guard i mean it would have been and and rubio while not clay thompson would have been a fine backcourt defender I mean, with. and honestly, it's like Curry got, got a, gets a lot of his action off ball. He does a he does that action where he brings the ball up the court, immediately passes it, does a big old loop, and the whole team <laughs> sets screens for runs him everywhere around and the he, court. He runs from the top of the key all the way around runs a little obstacle course to the left corner and pulls up for a three. And it's like you know, so that that's that's how he operates. Um, yeah. So Ke- Kevin Love number two, number three is Carl Anthony Towns. Um, he didn't. He hasn't quite had enough awards um, to to catch up to Kevin Love. He's got sixty five points to Kevin Love's 68. So Dylan, and I said at the oh, I ahead. said at the beginning, I was like, I think before we did any of these rankings, I was like, I think Carlton Towns is one second team All NBA season away from passing Kevin Love. And you were like, and and you're like, oh yeah, that actually does make sense because obviously Kevin Love was two time two second team All NBA, mm-hmm. but. It that bears out because if he has one more season where he has, uh, where he is a second team All NBA type player, like then he's that, also, that gives him mm-hmm. an All Star game probably too. So that's yep. three points right there, and that ties him with Kevin Love. And I think we both agree if they're tied, that the tie goes to Carl just because. Well, Carl's gonna have he's gonna have more he's gonna be higher tenure next year too. So. Oh yeah, that's right. He's um, going to pass him. Yeah. Probably. So so Carl is on the verge of passing him. He's about a ha- honestly like a half season away from passing um Kevin Love. Uh and I can't wait for Carl to pass him. I'm excited. Me too, especially with this Carl Anthony Towns Delo combination combination. All right. So, 1, 2 and 3. <laughs> we all knew that K- KG was going to be 1 and Kevin Love and Towns were going to be 2 and 3 in some order. But here is where things start to get interesting. Dylan, you want to take us through number 4? Here's a man who I thought was one of my own. I thought Wally Zerbiak was the standard European white American man, but it turns out he wasn't one of my own. He's a Spanish man. He's a Spanish, I think he's I think his dad was he played in the Spanish league and so he was born in Spain, but I think he's probably from one of the Eastern European countries his dad. Wally Zerbiak. Wally 
Wally World. Dylan, I are think... you are you like disappointed that Wally Zerbiak isn't a white American? Because that's kind of I don't know. That's kind of weird. Uh... <laughs> I am so disappointed that he's not American. But I love my Spanish boys. I love my Spanish wolves. You know what, Chalanga? Sometimes it's nice to to root for my kind. And I guess Kevin Love is is the only one in our e- top e- ten that is. Wait, oh, he's there. I guess there are two. Nothing like a little nationalism DVD. on a podcast, right? No, it's <laughs> hey. I need to root for somebody who looks like me too. Um, did I tell you? Brief break. Um, uh, Cole and I drafted. Uh, we call called it our White Kings team. We we made a Knicks team where we would only draft white players. Oh my god, <laughs> it's. Uh, it's pretty awesome. They're as bad as the Kings. I don't remember the I don't remember the roster right now, uh, unfortunately. But I will look at it and I will get back to you. Hey, you know what? It's okay because I'm rooting for the underdogs. <laughs> I just like rooting for my guys. Jacoby likes rooting for his guys. No, and, I, uh, I look. I always root. Ron Baker. I rode hard for Ron Baker, man. I rode so hard. Watching him on the court was so funny. Was see. It? Chalanga, the half whiteness inside of you yeah. also roots for white guys. I get it. You got to root for the underdog, you know. Uh, I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, all right. So number four is is Wally Zerbiak. And how did he get this high, Dylan? To put it bluntly, it was probably his tenure. It was the amount of games that he played and the amount of games that he played on good teams, the mm-hmm. amount of t- of seasons that he had where he was a positive impact player. So his peak impact was number seven. He was set, ranked seventh. Okay. Um, still pretty solid, like a top ten wolf all time. He his two thousand two season, he made uh, the All Star game, um, and he was just a great player. I mean, that was a that was a very solid team. We had uh, Terrell Brandon on that team. We had a bunch of really good players. Uh, uh, Rasho Nesterovich, yeah, one of my favorites. Um, but he wasn't a top five wolf until you got to his overall impact. He played how many seasons? Was it like six or seven? And his overall impact because of that was fourth because he played on all of those good teams. He did get hurt in that 2003-2004 season. And honestly, it makes me wonder if he were fully healthy, could that 2004 team have gotten past the Lakers who were also banged up because Carl Malone was hurt at that point? Could we have beaten that team because uh, he was hurt and also Troy Hudson was hurt, another underrated Timberwolf yeah. of all time. So tenure, he was fifth overall. That was the other thing that that helped him. Yep. He just had the most games and the most minutes, or one of the most games and one of the most minutes played overall for any Timberwolf. And he was one of the only all-stars that the Timberwolves have ever had in history. They've only had seven players make an all-star team. Since they uh, joined the league. So that was a big help to him. We did a little deep dive on Wally and how good of a shooter he was. and we, we wanted to back this up. Because yeah, I yeah. think a lot of people would say, like, oh, no, Wally Zerbiak was, was... His peak wasn't as great as, like, the Sam Cassells or, like, the Jimmy Butlers or whatever. But I think we wanted to back this up and say, like, how good was he in the history of the Timberwolves? So we, we looked at the, the numbers and really... We decided he's the second best shooter in Timberwolves history. So by percentage, Fred Hoiberg beats him. He had two seasons and shot 46% from three, which is amazing. But that was on 317 attempts compared to Wally's 849. And then, of course, we took into account Carl Anthony Towns, who is a 39% three-point shooter on a ton of volume. Carl has taken 1,280 
three-pointers so far in his career. Oh, my God. And so... It's a different league. Yeah. Anywhere, any way you slice it, either by percentage or by, like, percentage and volume, Wally is the second best three-point shooter in right. Timberwolves history. Wally at 40% three-point on 849 attempts. I don't know if we said 40%, but yeah. He's yeah, it's, a it's 40%. fantastic three-point shooter. Watched some Wally Zerbiak highlights because I wanted to watch some of the highlights of the players that I haven't seen in a long time play. I will say that a lot of his highlights were on the Cavs and the Celtics. I think this was a Celtics fan highlight tape. (laughs) But just a lot of spot-up threes. I mean, he did get to the basket. He wasn't that exciting. Mm -hmm. He didn't have a great handle, but he was just a solid player. Yeah, he was really solid. And I mean, he's he's a great role player, and he was the best role player in Timberwolves history. So I think that has to be... I mean, he's a role player that made an all-star team. On on a on right. a franchise that has been lacking all stars, so I think it makes total sense that he's number four. He also went, you know, he went to the playoffs many times, and that that adds a lot of points. So this is solid. I feel good about Wally at four. One thing I wanted to do with each player that we haven't seen play for a while, at least in a Wolves uniform, is compare them. I want to compare them to a player that we've seen more recently, and maybe to a player that we've seen even as recent as this season. My comparison for Wally Zerbiak is Chris Middleton. And I think we both talked about this off pod, but we both agreed that Chris Middleton was a great comp because he's an all-star. A one Now he's a two-time all-star, but he's that player that you wouldn't expect necessarily to be an all-star, doesn't have like elite skills, other than the fact that they're an elite role player. And that's kind of what Wally Zerbiak was. And Wally Zerbiak was the Chris Middleton to Giannis, right? To his, He was 2KG as Chris Middleton was to Giannis, right? Yeah. He probably had worse ball handling skills than Chris Middleton. Like, now Chris Middleton's turning into, like, his own offense this year. I would say it's probably more Chris Middleton from 2018, 2019. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like he's not going to score fifty he's, points in a game. He's not peak Chris Middleton, but I think that they serve. I think that they serve a similar role, and I think it's. I think it's a fair comparison, but I think obviously peak Chris Middleton is a much bigger and more dynamic player than Wally Zerbiak. Okay, I think this is our first. Well, this was the most surprising player in the in the top ten for me. I don't know about you, but. I was expecting this player to be like more in the 10 to 15, 10 to 16 range. But our number five player, Chalanga. Drumroll, please. Is Terrell Brandon. Wow. Tiny point guard dynamo. What? Uh huh. Terrell, Terrell Brandon. Brandon, the greatest point guard in Timberwolves history. Is that what you're trying to say to, say to me? Um, I guess that's what this says, yeah. Other than, obviously, Carl Anthony Towns, who's going to be a point guard in his future. <laughs> so, I mean, this this is a point of argument. So, you know, it, it, Terrell Brandon ranked number seven in peak impact, number five in overall impact, but he wasn't on the Tim- Timberwolves for very long. He ranks 26 as far as his tenure. He played for about two and a half seasons. Um, he got traded to the Wolves in the lockout season. And then played two full seasons and then kind of just got too old to play in his third full season with the Wolves and didn't play very many games. So I averaged that out to about two and a half seasons. But in those two and a half seasons, I guess here's here's kind of where our argument piece was. So there is another great Timberwolves point guard who may be higher on some lists than Terrell Brandon. 
and it became an interesting point of comparison between Terrell Brandon and our number six uh, player on this list, which is Sam Cassell. So, yeah, Terrell Brandon ranks higher than Sam Cassell. Sam Cassell, as as we know, played on that Western Conference Finals team with the Wolves, you know, they, he made an all-star team that year. He was quite excellent. Um, so peak impact, Sam Cassell ranked four to Terrell Brandon seven. Overall impact, because he wasn't on the team for very long, he ranked 12 compared to Terrell Brandon's five. And he didn't get any points for tenure because he ranked 57th. Um, so he was only on the team for about a season and a half. So what I did is I took the two stats and I pulled, I pulled all their stats and I just compared their peak season, and their Wolves tenure. I just want to say an overall point. Did you say overall points? Uh, no, I didn't. Sorry. Um, I just wanted to say the, this is how close they were in terms of our actual scoring, our final scoring system, which was overall points. Uh, Terrell Brandon had 55.5, whereas Sam Cassell had 54. So it was extremely close. Right. And even though it, it probably would have favored Terrell Brandon even more without adding in all the awards points, mm-hmm. all the awards points got Sam Cassell almost over the over the hump to uh, be ahead of Terrell Brandon. And I think in my head, I was thinking, oh, obviously Sam Cassell above Terrell Brandon. Like, I remember that Sam Cassell second team All-NBA season. But, yeah. um, but after you started looking into deeper into the stats changed my mind and yeah now i'm 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 with this i'm with this ranking Terrell brandon fifth overall so like here here's their peak season Terrell's brand brandon's peak season his counting stats 17 points per game nine assists 3.4 rebounds 1.9 steals to 2.5 2.6 turnovers sam cassell had 19.8 points per game 7.3 assists 3.3 rebounds 1.3 assists 2.7 turnovers so actually super comparable stats they both are accounting for about the same amount of points when it comes to points and assists, both at three rebounds, both at above one steal a game. And then we look at their advanced stats for their peak season. Terrell Brandon, 8.6 win shares, 4.1 VORP, 4.3 BPM. Compared to Sam Cassell, 12.1 win shares, 4.6 VORP, 4.4 BPM. So Sam Cassell had the better peak season. But then we take a look at the Wolves' tenure, and... Terrell Brandon's advanced stats really give him the edge here. So Terrell Brandon, over his two and a half seasons with the Wolves, 23.1 win shares, 10.8 VORP, and 3.9 BPM. Whereas uh, Sam Cassell, over his one and a half seasons with the Wolves, 15.9 win shares, 5.8 VORP, 3.9 BPM. One in- So then one interesting thing that we did is like, okay, so... Sure, Sam Cassell had a better peak season, but you know Terrell Brandon's Wolves tenure is better. Why don't we bring it down to defense? They're both really good offensive players. Like let's let's see who's the better def- defender. So we looked it up and we looked at the defensive rating among Wolves guards, and they're both tied <laughs> for eighth all time amongst Wolves Amazing. guards. Amazing, and they played in the Amazing. same era, so that defensive rating, um, there's no real turnover, no uh, lack of comparison there. So. <laughs> They're super close, but uh, our system gave the nod to Terrell Brandon. If uh, Sam Cassell had played that second season with the Wolves more, he probably would be above Terrell Brandon. But that second... The sad thing is he was turning 35 in that 2004-2005 season. Yeah, and he just got old, and it was hard for him to play uh, a full season. So, I just wish we could have had a peak 
point guard year with Kevin Garnett. It's just like we were too early on Marbury. We were too early on Chauncey Billups, like bare, just barely. Yeah. Um, too late on Cassell. And we were too late on Cassell. Too, we late, too on late on Terrell Brandon. Brandon. Yeah. Because he, he was a two-time All-Star before he was a Timberwolf mm-hmm. with Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And he was arguably, like, I was watching highlights of him. Like, it, the announcers were saying he's arguably the best uh, point guard in the NBA. Right. Way back before he was on the Timberwolves. But you look at it like Terrell Brandon's peak season with the Wolves was in 2000. You have uh, Wally Zerbiak's peak season in 2002. You have Sam Cassell's great season in 2004. No one ever like put together like three three different players having a great season or two different players having a great season that is alongside mm-hmm. Kevin Garnett. Yeah. And that's really all it would have taken to take these Wolves past the first round, past the second round, and maybe past the Lakers in 2004. Like, that was the closest we got to putting together a really great team around Kevin. But it just goes to show, like, we never were able to put a team together like the Spurs were. Right. And and it's just sad. I, I do think, as an aside, I forgot to mention this, uh, Kevin Garnett might have been on less all-defense teams because Tim Dunga was on 15 all-defense teams, and Kevin Garnett was only on 12. Tim Duncan was on great defensive teams his whole career, first of all. Uh, like, Kevin Garnett wasn't... At the end of his career, he was playing on Brooklyn, which was horrible defensive teams, while uh, Tim Duncan was still collecting all defense teams. But on top of all that, like, Kevin Garnett was Defensive Player of the Year, and he didn't play with... Like, look at look at the Sam Cassell and Terrell Brandon. They're horrible in terms of... Def- or not, they're not horrible, but they're, like, average defenders... Whereas, like, Tony Parker's an above-average defender, but, like, Manu Ginobili was one of the best defenders at his position. Bruce Bowen, like, you have all these players, Boris Diaw, who were amazing defenders Mm -hmm. right next to Tim Duncan. And then even getting into Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard, you know, like... Oh, my God. One of the greatest wing defenders, perimeter defenders of all time. Yeah, George Hill. I mean, these are all solid defenders. So that's why I really think... I just really wish that we would have been able to put it together for KG because I do think that in terms of talent and peak impact and in terms of how great he could have been, I think KG could have been right there, right there alongside of Tim Duncan. And and, and it om- honestly almost feels like a waste that we weren't able to put it together around him in Minnesota, at least. Oh, you think it was a waste? <laughs> of course it was a waste. Okay, mate. Well, but I'm like... <laughs> He still made it Western Conference Finals, which is really good for any player. But yeah, it was a waste. He never made it to the finals as a Timberwolf. Yeah. And he should have. He was that good. You really should have. He should have made many finals. All right. So that is that was our Terrell Brandon and Sam Cassell debate. It that uh used a lot of our brain power <laughs> thinking yeah. about how to how comp. to make that work. And oh yeah. So. I want to comp these players because I, I watched them, I watched some of their highlights. I was getting into them. And the Terrell Brandon highlights reminded me a lot of a 5'11 D'Angelo Russell. He would just sit with the ball at the top of the key. He would sit with the ball and he would just wait and see if something and see if something happened. And if nothing happened, he's like, all right, I'll put it up. And he just shot like 25, 26, 27 foot threes. And back then that wasn't as common as obviously that is today or like like a 25 26 foot three is more like a 30 foot three you know right in today's league 
So uh, he just he would put it up, and the other thing that he would do is he would get to the basket, but he would go up early, and he would do one of those floaters, just like D'Angelo Russell does, and kind of throw the defense off. And I thought that was interesting. And um, he was a nifty passer, a more much more nifty passer passer than like Sam Cassell. So that's kind of why I compared him a little bit to D'Angelo or D'Angelo Russell. My comparison for Sam Cassell, on the other hand, or did you want to talk about that? No, that's all you. Okay, my my comparison for Sam Cassell, and this was all you, baby, was a one season wonder, Tony Parker. Tony Parker was a little bit more consistent over his career. Sam Cassell had one amazing season and he was a heat check type of player. He was like a heat check Tony Parker. He was extremely effective in the mid-range game and he played like that same mid-range game that you see Chris Paul play mm. and he was a, he he knew how to like find the defense in terms of that really well. But the way that he wasn't like Chris Paul was that he was not a great passer. He was a fine passer, and he knew how to, to play the game. He had so many skills, kind of like Tony Parker, just had like a lot of different skills and was very fundamentally sound. But he was not a three-point shooter over his career. However, I watched him score 40 points in the loss versus Sacramento in Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals in 2004. He played with a ruptured eardrum, and he had like nine threes and three of them came within the last minute or something like that it was amazing he was so 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 good in that game and he and i can't believe he was even able to stay balanced with that ruptured eardrum but he was absolutely lights out like that and i remember him being like that not just in that game but across the whole season and it bore out because he was a 39 percent three-point shooter that season Whereas in other seasons, he was a, I think he averaged at like 32%, which was more in line with like a, his Tony Parker numbers. Yeah. Tony Parker also had some good three-point seasons, but yeah. Well, cool. I, I think, Dylan, I think you want to really want to talk about this next guy. He's kind of your... Um, oh, I fell in love. Yeah. he. Dylan, I loved him before, but now he might be my number three favorite wolf of all time. Ooh. Wow. All right. Yeah. Let's uh, uh let's uh not not spare the listeners any longer. Who is it? <laughs> Number seven on our list. Googs. Tom Gugliotta. So, Tom Gugliotta was underrated in almost every regard to his game. Like in every aspect of his game, he was underrated. His peak impact for the Timberwolves was tied for eighth. One of the reasons why his peak impact was was high is because he made the All-Star game in, was it 97? Yeah, 96-97, he made the All-Star game. He was the second, he played the second banana to our own Kevin Garnett when he, uh, that was his uh, coming out season, that 96-97 season. Mm -hmm. Um, But they were such a powerful one-two punch, like both of them playing the power forward position at that point. Or not, or both of them playing power forward, small forward. They were kind of like switching off between the two positions, and they were just two forwards back then in in the late '90s. That's kind of that was that was a viable option to play. I think today they would be an amazing four five combo. Mm-hmm. I think Kevin Garnett playing the five, and 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 then you have uh, Tom Gugliotta playing the four. But he was he was the ideal power forward for the game today because he could run the break, mm-hmm. uh, run the fast break. He could be the ball handler in the fast break. I mean, I saw him cro- uh, cross over Tony Kukoc, who's a solid defender, and then he gets to the basket. From the three-point line, gets to the basket on Tony Kukoc with a behind-the-back crossover. 
he had incredible tip-ins from Kevin Garnett in out-of-bounds play. Kevin Garnett passes it, and, and Gugliotta jumps up and just tips it in. It was incredible to watch him play because he was just so creative. The amount of no-look behind-the-back passes to Kevin Garnett, I wish that I were more of a basketball fan in 97 and 98 when Tom Gugliotta and Kevin Garnett were a very, very, very scary duo in the NBA. I mean, you look at Gugliotta's, uh, you look at his stats, just his his uh, regular stats, and when he was with the Wolves, he was averaging like 4.1 assists. So not only did you have Tom Gugliotta giving assists, you had Kevin Garnett, who was like basically a point forward himself. I mean, this team was the best sharing team in Timberwolves history. Except wasn't the point guard... Um... Stefan Marbury? Yeah, but Stefan was fine. You have three half-point guards. And, <laughs> and then you're above my level of 1.3 point guards per team, you know? Right, right. Or per starting lineup, I should say. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it they were the perfect duo to pair with Stefan Marbury. Can you imagine if Tom Gugliotta... Maybe Tom Gugliotta would have had to have been a little bit younger at this point, but that, that three could have been devastating if if Stefan Marbury would have been in his prime, Googs in his prime, and KG in his prime. It it's just it's a travesty. Yeah, and that to, and to defend Stefan, he did average seven point eight, eight point six, and eight point nine assists in a Timberwolves uniform. So So he he learned how to share from those guys, or he was sharing with those guys. Yeah, Maybe not just... as a net, but definitely as a wolf. It's the, the players like Tom Gugliotta create a culture of sharing. And I'm wondering, because Tom Gugliotta was always kind of a point forward from the moment that he came into the NBA as a bullet in 92. I'm wondering if he taught Kevin Garnett how to share the ball. I, I feel like that's true. Because um, when Kevin Garnett got in the league, uh, he was a baby. He was a baby. And Tom Gugliotta was in his, what, sixth season? And uh, I don't know. I just it was amazing to watch them play together because it was like watching a mirror image of of each other. I can't almost. I can't wait until we get famous enough to meet KG and we can ask him. We could say, KG, did Tom Gugliotta teach you how to pass the ball? <laughs> I I think it's true because he was honestly he was just a he was a more creative passer than KG. KG obviously ran more offense and and averaged over six I think. Uh, assists a game that's the other thing about kg better passer than tim duncan for sure tim duncan was a great passer kg was better keeps coming Um, back i know i can't get over it tom gugliotta was just he was like a six foot ten ricky rubio he was like our comps here are the comps okay a ben simmons with less athleticism but he was honestly still amazingly athletic but he can shoot he was like a more athletic Nemanja Bjelica with a magical passing game. It was amazing, yeah. oh, like amazing to watch him. Yeah, watch our his, thought there uh, is like highlights. if you taper the ceiling of, of like Ben Simmons has such a high ceiling, but if you taper that with Nemanja Bjelica and just kind of bring bring that ceiling down, then you got yourself right. the one time All Star Gugliotta. I am honestly surprised that he's only one point ahead of our next player. He had he came in with fifty one points overall points for us. I I think that that might be wrong because Chalinka, he's the third most exciting Timberwolf of all time. 
Number one, KG. Number two, Cat. Number three, Tom Gugliotta. Number four, you'll see coming down on this list. I'll talk about that later. But he was so, so... I mean, Chalanka, how did you feel when you were watching some of these highlights? I felt pretty good. I obviously didn't fall in love as much as you did, but I'm, I'm a, I'm, I'd consider myself a Goog head. I'm down with oh, the Goog. He's beautiful. I'm more excited about number eight here. I'm a... <laughs> you know, this this one will come as a surprise to everyone, and it came as a surprise to us, but we, we ran the numbers, and no matter how we ran them, this player kept making his way into the top 10. And it it's really important to me because I've known for a long time, and Dylan, I feel like you've known for a long time too, just how great of a Timberwolf this player has been. Absolutely. And it feels good to have some validation for for what we already knew and so so underrated the number eight timberwolf of all time is the moon bounce king himself gorgie jang dylan how how shocked were you to see gorgie jang land at number eight I was more shocked to see gorgie jang land at number six in various other models that we created (laughs) early on yeah that was so glad that we got tom gugliotta ahead of him because yeah abundantly clear that tom gugliotta was a greater wolf yeah but so and and at first even if if i'm being completely honest number eight didn't feel quite right it felt too high so i went on a dive to answer why gorgie is number eight and what it comes down to is his consistent solid play he was never a negative player and he played for the wolves for a long time he was number six in tenure he was number eight in overall impact and number 18 in peak impact. So even the peak impact being 18th all time in our peak impact metric, that's significant. You know, that's not nothing. Uh, but when you take that out, it kind of curves him a little bit and brings him to number eight instead of number six. So, like, why has Gorgie's impact been so great? Why, like, why has he been such a good wolf? Well, let's take a look at some more numbers. So I looked at all-time counting stats and here's where gorgie ranks he is fourth all-time in games played games played excuse me ninth all-time in minutes played 15th all-time in games started which you wouldn't expect i know he right? was a sixth man for like four years yeah but uh, i guess you know not a lot of players have played very long on the timberwolves we have to remember that yeah um he's fourth all-time in rebounds seventh all-time in assists what that's insane. Third all-time in blocks, 13th all-time in points scored. So really his tenure and overall impact have put him way higher. So we kind of compared to Sam Mitchell, who's lower down on this list. We'll get to Sam Mitchell eventually. But Sam Mitchell played on the Wolves for a long-ass time, but he was also, like, ass a lot of the time. Like, he was really bad. <laughs> yeah, um, he was a negative player, and he wasn't even starting a lot of these games. So it's like... But Gorgie has never been a negative player in his career. He's been consistently positive, especially on the defensive end. Um, right. Who I compared him to is uh, Udonis Haslam without the rings. So just a solid defender. He's He'll put the ball in the basket if you need him to, if you get him a good look. And uh, he's not going to make too many mistakes, and he's a really great locker room guy. So is Haslam a, a center? Like a He's a power forward or center. And Gorgie's kind of a power forward or center, you know? I cause I thought Haslam was kind of playing a lot of power forward for the Heat. 
Yeah, but I mean, later on in his career, he played a lot of center. Um, okay. And so, you know, Gorgie is either a power forward or a center when he starts next to Cat, you know, like who's playing what position, you know? Um, I would say that Gorgie has to be the center along Cat be- just because he is the rim protector. Defensively, he's the center, so he's the center. You know what I mean? Because that's the most important thing that a center does is rim. Right. Whatever. I mean, Udonis Haslam is starting next to fucking, I don't know, Chris Bosh, who's the center. That That's more arguable than Cat for Cat and Gorgie. You know what I mean? Okay, so you don't like my comparison? I have to find someone else? No, I like it. I like it. I like the comparison. <laughs> I was just saying, I was just trying, bringing up the point. I was playing devil's advocate and saying Udonis Haslam was probably more of a power forward than Gorgie Jang was a power forward. Let me just... I'm just, I'm just going to go look at this really quick. I mean, yeah, I could, to- I could totally be wrong because I... Did not watch a lot of Udonis Haslam <laughs> over the last 10 years. Uh, me neither. So I guess most seasons he was a power forward, but he did have three seasons where he played most of his minutes at center. So, okay. And those were the seasons that, that, that was 2016, 17, 17, 18, 18, 19. So I guess most of the time with uh, with the Heat, he was counted as a power forward. I wonder who he was playing, like if he's playing around Chris Bosh. That's Bosch- interesting. If Chris Bosh was playing center back then, I think that's kind of what was what they were doing. They were doing like a stretch five type of thing. Mine, but got oh yeah, I guess center, 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 center. Yeah, interesting. So, um, but yeah, even that being said, anyway, he, U- Udonis Haslam is a great comp. He played so many years with the Heat, and I'm sure Udonis Haslam just because of his tenure. If we ever do a Heat uh, all time list, I'm sure Udonis Haslam will be on whatever top thirty. We do oh, for them. You know he will. That was insane to me that he was that he kept being that high, but he is that important to the Timberwolves. And I think that people I think that people might this is probably the pick that people will say this is totally wrong. Maybe next to Terrell Brandon in the top ten. But uh I think that you've defended it pretty well. Look. I mean, he was just always such a positive force to the team and e- underrated. Even if he hadn't have made it in the top ten, I would have tried to fan favorite boost to get him in there because he's just been so important and he's been solid and that that says something. So okay. that's Gorgie. Next up, number nine. Dylan, you want to talk about number nine? I think you want to talk about number nine. I feel like oh, yeah, I did, have I did all the affinity. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and you have more of an affinity for, for this man. That's true. I mean, I so this is our number nine Timberwolf the of all time. The fourth most exciting Timberwolf. Yeah, this is this is the fourth most exciting Timberwolf, um, and uh, I love him a lot. And that's Ricky Rubio. I miss him every day. I wish Ricky Rubio was still on the team. So he ranks 15th in p- peak impact, which isn't great. But overall impact, he's tied for fifth with Terrell Brandon. And he's at 10 for tenure. He's the 10th longest tenured Timberwolf, uh, coming in with a score of 48.5 overall points as compared to Gorgie's 50 overall points. Ooh, I love that. Oh so God. Ricky Rubio, once again, never on a good Timberwolves team, never on a team that uh, made the playoffs or even had a winning record, but he was always a positive player and very nearly an all-star you know i think if that team what 2013-14 that was their peak season with him and k-love had that team been better i wouldn't be have been surprised for you know ricky rubio to make an all-star team i guess he didn't score a lot of points but he was averaging a ton of assists so as far as all-time wolves goes he's second all-time in assists second all-time in steals eighth all-time in total minutes and so when i say second all-time that means the only person who's better is kevin garnett (laughs) Uh, 15th all-time in points and 15th all-time in rebounds as a point guard. That's pretty solid. 
Um, I don't think we. I don't think we did talk about this, but I. I have heard other people say that Kevin Garnett is the only player in any of any franchise that is number one in all basic stats. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, if Giannis keeps it going, I think he's got a chance, but he's also got to pass Oscar Robertson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, which is tough. Right. I would say that um, there's likely not a chance just because of the rebounding numbers being so insane. That's what I'm guessing. Yeah, I haven't um, I haven't really looked at it, but for Giannis also gets, you I know, mean, 13 rebounds a game. So he's like... It's true. Um, anyway. Everybody knows that, but yeah, I decided to say it anyway. KG, number one in all categories. Yeah, it's crazy. And so, you know, and then I, I just wanted to look at some more because I think a lot of people would also argue that Ricky Rubio is too high here. Um, there are other point guards like Stefan Marbury. Yeah, 2K had Stefan over Ricky Rubio in terms of their all-time 2K team. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so there's other there's other point guards like Stefan Marbury or Chauncey Billups who people might argue should be higher. Um, but And played on winning teams, yeah, both of them. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to tenure and just how good Ricky Rubio was, I mean, he was a very positive player, especially on the defensive end offensively. We all know he has his woes, but he made up for it by facilitating the ball and uh, actually creating a good offense with him and Kevin Love. And so I also took a look at his defense because that's kind of where he got a lot of his positive advanced stats is from his defensive aptitude. I have Rubio compared defensively to Sam Cassell and Terrell Brandon, who are the only two guards ranked above him on this list. It's a little bit weird to compare defense based on eras. But what I tried to do is just try to see where they ranked defensively in their era at the time and compare it that or way. Or so within that season. Within that right? s- within their peak season, yeah. So I looked at their peak defensive season and I, see where, I saw where they ranked in the league. So Ricky Rubio's peak defensive season was in 2013-2014 where he had a 104 defensive rating, which ranked 22nd among point guards. Um, it was an above average defensive rating above guards by quite a significant amount. Sam Cassell's peak season, he had a 102 defensive rating, which seems like it would be better, but that was only 30th among point guards in 2003-2004, which tells me that the defensive... And here's another thing. That was playing alongside... A lot of defensive rating is who you play alongside of. Right. He was playing alongside of the best defender in the entire league. Yeah, he had KG. Ricky Rubio had Kevin Love and Nikola Pekovic. <laughs> so like, Pekovic is not bad, but yeah, not a stalwart defender. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Terrell Brandon had a 104 in 2000-2001, and that was 46th among, amongst point guards in the league. So, you know, um, uh, as far as point guard minutes, like point guards that play, both Sam Cassell and Terrell Brandon ranked toward the bottom. Or Sam Cassell is kind of like right in the middle. Terrell Brandon... In terms of starters. Yeah. And Terrell Brandon was in the bottom portion of defensive well, That's not guards. the only defensive stat. I think... There isn't really a perfect defensive stat. So as we were saying before, Terrell Brandon had a much higher defensive box plus minus than Sam Cassell over um, over his time there. So like, I don't know. I would say Sam Cassell and Terrell Brandon were probably a wash when it came defensively. Yep, and he's he's got and Ricky Rubio also is number one over all to all time in defensive win shares among guards. Um, and so that's partially due to his tenure and how long he played for the Wolves, but it also just shows that he has he was a solid defender uh, his whole career with the Wolves. So we, He was a great on-ball defender. I don't know if he was as good with help defense because he didn't really have the size or length to be able to 
cover other players that well, and he didn't have the agility necessarily to mm-hmm. be able to get get out and come back to his guy. But in terms of his on-ball defense, and unfortunately his on-ball defense was also what causes ACL tear against the uh, against the man named that they named Kobe Bryant back in that season. His it was his rookie or second year that he uh, tore his ACL. Ugh, second think year. About I how think. great he could Yeah, have been. I know. Um, but yeah, uh, his on-ball defense was very solid. Let's not remember. Let's not forget he was locking up Kobe Bryant in his second year uh, until he tore his ACL. <laughs> Do we need a comp? Because he, we've seen him play. But that's yeah. that's a good idea. You're right. Yeah, we don't need a comp for um, Ricky Rubio. But I just thought it was we've funny. I, I thought him. Um, I thought of him as a Kirk Heinrich with magic passes. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's pretty good, right? <laughs> I did. I liked your. I liked your uh, Jason, Jason Williams. Your white chocolate uh, comparison as well, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got that that magic touch like Jason Williams. Not quite as showy, but still, you know, still kind of showy. Right. So yeah, Ricky Rubio. That was a long rant on Ricky Rubio. We're coming to our last, our last player, number ten on our list. This one was a, this one was hard. This one was hard to hard to rank. You want to talk about your stuff? You want to talk this about this? This one was difficult to swallow. Yeah. As everybody knows, I hate this player. I despise what they did to our franchise. And the dis- the level of disrespect that he displayed to not only our franchise, but two other franchises, I believe. He came into this list ranked like 36th. That was the, the in my first iteration. But I did feel like it was unfair because he did bring us to the to the playoffs for the first time in 14 years. And that was just so significant. Yeah. And as well, it was unfair to other players that with a low amount of tenure like Sam Cassell. But he fought our he fought his way off of the Timberwolves and played how many games? Sixty nine games. Yep. He played sixty nine total games for the Timberwolves, less than a full season, essentially, just because he was hurt in the one full season he did play. Yeah, he is. Um, uh, he he is the lowest by a lot of as far as games played on this list. Oh yeah, on the top thirty for sure. I mean, I'm I'm speaking specifically on top ten, but on the top thirty, he may be the lowest too. I'd have to I'd have to take a look at that. But yeah, he had one amazing season. He was the best player on a 47 win team, which is one of the best Timberwolves teams of all time. I would I'm wondering actually, could you look that up to see uh, how that ranks amongst Timberwolves teams? Obviously, it's not better than 2003, 2004. There might be two other teams or something that you want me to look up the uh, amount of wins. No matter what that ranking was. His peak impact was tied for fifth overall amongst all players. So that's KG, uh, Kevin Love, Carl Anthony Towns, and then uh, Sam Cassell, Wally Zerbiak, and Jimmy Butler were tied. Uh, so he was tied for fifth in terms of his peak impact points. It was still one of the best single seasons of all time. If he wouldn't have gotten hurt, Jimmy Butler, I don't think I've said his name yet in this whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> number The number 10 player is Jimmy Butler. Uh, and and for great reason, I have not used his name because he he in, incenses me. Um, but yeah, he is. Uh, if he would not have gotten hurt in the season that he played fifty nine games for us, right? Yeah, he could have been. He was in the MVP conversation yeah. until he got hurt, and he we fell apart when he got hurt. Our team fell apart. Carl could not carry us to the playoffs. It required Jimmy coming back from his injury in order to get us even to a play-in game against the Nuggets, which you went to. 
that Wolves team was uh, that 2017 2018 Wolves team was the tied for fifth best team in franchise history. And he was the best player on that team. Yeah. So does he belong in the top 10? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. He does belong in the top 10. I think we came to an agreement on that. But does he belong higher than that? I don't think so. Uh, the way that he got off the team, all of that stuff, all of that played into his tenure, that played into his overall impact and, and brought him down. He was tied for 18th in terms of overall impact just because of that one great season uh, with Tony Campbell, mm-hmm. uh, who you might see coming up. And I'm glad to get Jimmy off of this team, but I'm thankful that he had that one season where he got us to the, to the playoffs. Yeah, so. and you know, it's like uh, his his status on this top 10 list is very shaky, and it will not take very long for um, active hopefully. players, hopefully, to pass him. I don't think it's... it doesn't. I mean, it's just not going to take much. Well, one of the problems is that there aren't any active players on on this list. Yeah, I know. It's... Even close. Like, D'Angelo Russell is probably the next player, right? But... But he's not. He's got a. He's got a long way to go. At least we looked at it, and we were we we decided it was probably two seasons. But we'll get into that later. Probably yeah. two seasons before he could pass Jimmy mm-hmm. Butler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unless Josh Okogie go, goes crazy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, Which he will, my son. Yes. He will, my son. But yeah, so that's that's Jimmy Butler, one of the be- like the best player on one of the greatest teams of all time. Um, but he was a fire that burned so hot that he ended up burning. He got too close to the sun. He got too close to the goddamn sun. <laughs> All right. So that's our top 10 list. So just to review, number one, KG. Number two, Kevin Love. Number three, Carl Anthony Towns. Number four, Waldy Zerbiak. Number five, Terrell Brandon. Number six, Sam Cassell. Number seven, Tom Gugliata. Number eight, The King, Gorgie Jang. Number nine, Ricky Rubio. And number 10, Jimmy butler and before we move on jimmy butler for example was four points behind ricky rubio which is significant when you're getting down this low the uh he was only half a point ahead of our 11th ranked timberwolf which is a tease for a couple days from now hopefully when the next section comes out yeah i mean there are actually two players who are tied for half a point behind jimmy butler so That is going to be an interesting conversation next time on the Coast to Coast NBA podcast. Thank you for listening to the Coast to Coast NBA podcast. Don't forget, if you have qualms with our list, if you think it's amazing, if you have questions about our process, uh, you can send us an email at coasttocoastnbapod at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA or on Instagram at Coast to Coast NBA pod. Dylan, what'd you say? We're hoping to get this data up in some form somehow on our website Mm -hmm. so if you are interested in seeing any of this stuff uh hopefully you'll be able to reference that on our website and we'll we'll try to hit a link to that on all all of our socials our website is coast to coast dot podient dot co podient p-o-d-i-a-n-t uh and we'll have that up on our blog and of course we'll have a link on our socials so so that's easy for you to find um, and don't forget, even though we're not you know, doing this that often, please subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends. Um, this is a... I, I feel really proud. And I think Dylan feels really proud about the work we put in on this list. And we're uh, looking forward to doing two more episodes, going through our top 31, doing these deep dives, and hopefully move on to other teams and see if we can come up with the definitive best way to rank players. Yeah, I think that... Um you know, moving forward with Coast to Coast, it's uh, 
we've decided to kind of not do the regular everyday, the like the day-to-day update type of podcasts. I don't want to be like a Ringer NBA show. I don't want to talk about mundane things. I love these deep dives, and I think you do too. And it gives us less work overall, but it, it gives us more time to be able to like put real concerted effort mm-hmm. into or concentrated effort into uh, doing into putting out really great content. And uh, that's what I'm hoping to do with this, with the catchler, with your uh, b- baskets and balls. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've already maybe. started prepping for this summer, baby. I can't wait. So while you might not hear from us every week or necessarily every month, too, uh, we will come back to you when we think that there is interesting content for us to, to add to the milieu of uh, of basketball podcasts because uh, we we don't want to we don't want to overinflate all of this content because there's enough content already right oh, so much content um, anyway Emily started playing uh, piano so I got to get out of here <laughs> oh no <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening and uh, Tell him we'll I said hi. we'll be back later this week with another episode bye Tony B, you know what you did.